that our next conversation is one you're going to have to brace yourself for because in the context of all that we've been hearing around sexual assault and uh, particularly, I suppose, high-profile women being able to come forward eventually after, you know, not speaking out initially around these issues. Today, um, I mean, she's, she's, she's an accomplished woman. I'm a great fan of hers. Uh, Andile Khalisiwe, who is, of course, the host of Ukumbule Kaya, tweeted in a series of tweets that in September, and I'm going to read them as she tweeted them, she says... So in September, days before my birthday, I got the traumatic shock of my life when I saw this face on my timeline. And she posts the picture of the face. And it's a man in an afro. And it looks like a dated picture from possibly, uh, you know, earlier decades, say late, say the 70s or the 80s. And she goes on to say, the shock was so bad and unexpected. It took me a while to calm down as I felt anxiety and panic. This man was still alive and well. This was my biological father being looked for on this app. And so what happened was somebody put out this picture looking for her father and saying, does anyone know this man? Who is he? I mean, you know, this is my father. Please put me in touch. And Andile sees this and responds because she recognizes the man as her own biological father. But she then says, more traumatically, he was my rapist. The last time I saw this man was when he forced himself on me. So you can imagine my horror when I see people comment and even joke that Kumbula, um, you know, even joke around Kumbulekai. And of course, if you don't know what Kumbulekai is, it's a show that connects people who have uh, lost contact with loved ones. And so when she saw this picture, people were joking that Andile should help find this woman who was looking for her father so <clears throat> and then she says she felt uh, more horror of course uh, and mixed emotions when there was a story done about the re the, the you know the reuniting of the daughter who had sought her father so she felt joy for the daughter in finding her father but anger that he was still alive and had no intention of finding her and making things right and she also says she felt anger at herself for not laying a charge then. And uh, Andile Khailisiwe joins us now on the phone. And firstly, Andile, thank you so much for talking to us and I suppose for trusting us with this conversation. Yeah, no, thank you, Bongale. Um, yeah, it's a hard day. <laughs> it's a very hard day. I can imagine you say the reason you're putting this story out there is for you to be able to say to women, hashtag NAMI, which means hashtag yeah. me too. And you're saying yeah. that women who want to now come forward are not crazy and it's about no. getting healing and justice on their terms. That's exactly it. Because we've seen mixed emotions, you know, when people have come out, um, especially on, on Twitter, um, and the one question that always puzzles me is when someone says, why did you wait so long? And I say, well, yeah. well wear my shoes, wear my shoes, live my life. And maybe you'll get a glimpse of why it would take everything that I am to say this. Something so, so personal, so horrific, so traumatic. Um, so, you know, I just felt, I mean, this happened in September and you know, as I say on, on that thread, um, <laughs> it took everything for me because 
I had done my level best. I always tell women who come through to my foundation, once you've been raped, you need to get therapy so that you stop the cycle from happening. So I thought I was over it until I saw this picture. And then I mean, just, um, all the emotions. Just, yeah. Sorry, Adila, to come in there. Just take it's us through problem. the fact that you say this man, Philemon Mufugeng, is indeed mm. your father, but you also say mm. he is your rapist. So this guy um, never married my mom. They were dated. My mom was a model. He was a musician back in the day. She fell pregnant. Um, he was never there. And then I think I must have been about 12, 13. Then I obviously you go up in Soweto, people who know your dad and see you will say, oh, my God, you remind me of so-and-so. You look like so-and-so. And so I also got curious. I wanted to know so-and-so. And I must also add that at the time, my mom was married to my surname is Haile Siri, the most amazing man. That I think God, you know, gave that guy, gave me that guy as my dad because he, he's been there through it all. So anyway... Yeah. Um, I then, um, I don't know, I don't even remember how I got in touch with him, but it was without my mom knowing. And uh, so one of those times I went over to visit him and this, this, and I didn't want to bring it into this, but because now we're telling the story, the girl who's looking for the father had just got yeah. born at that time. And when I got right. to that, uh, that, that place where my dad lived, um, he says to me, his wife had, had gone home back to wherever she came from to for that 10 days thing that we do after you've given birth. And yes. um, so I stayed the weekend and that's the the, well, the first night that I got there. Um, we were watching TV. So he knew who you apartment. were. He knew who you were and why you were there. Yes, I was visiting my dad and because he had reached out to me. He was trying to get to know me. I also wanted to know him because he was a musician. I wanted to sing, you know, when I grew up. And so that's how, and my mom, I don't think at the time that my mom not wanting me to know him was because she knew what he was capable of. It was a thing of, yeah. you know, she, he knew. Their relationship had broken down. After. Yeah, it was them. Yeah, it was them. So anyway, that Friday night um, at his house, watching TV, laughing at something that was on TV, and then he was he was uh, sitting on the bed. I mean, I can tell because she knew what he was capable of. It was a thing of, yeah. you know, she, he knew. Their relationship had broken down. After. Yeah, it was them. Yeah, it was them. So anyway, that Friday night um, at his house, watching TV, laughing at something that was on TV. And then he was he was uh, sitting on the bed. I mean, I can still remember everything. I can still even see that entire apartment. He was laying on the bed. He'd made a, a bed for me on the floor because, like I said, it was a studio apartment. And he said, come over here. So I went over to the bed. We laughing. Yeah. And then he tickles me and tickles me. And I really keep laughing. Next thing I know, he's on top of me. Next thing I know... Oh. He's now being violent and removing my panties and everything, and then he's raping me. And when I could get away from him, from under him, then I, I ran into the bathroom and I locked myself there and I spent the night there. And then oh, he tried to get me out. He didn't. I wouldn't open the door. And then, um, yeah, this <laughs> is yeah. And then, um, yeah. In the morning, he banged the door again. I wouldn't open. And then he got dressed, whatever, said he was leaving. And I waited for a while to hear that he had gone. And then he had gone. And I left. 
and got out, took my stuff, ran to my granny's house. And I think about a mm. week or two after that, I hadn't shared this with anyone, but I was just constantly in tears. I called mm. him. I remember I was, I, I, I was at uh, school at Banato, Banato Park High. Mm. And I mm. remember um, during break, going to the public telephone, and I called him. Mm. And I asked him, mm. why? And he said, don't ask me why. Why are you not a virgin? I was like, yo. Oh. <laughs> I was like, what? I just I, I've never been with a man before. I've just, like what like even now I don't know how I wouldn't know how to respond to that. And then obviously I think anger then took over because I remember that I was screaming at him and crying because the teachers came out and my social worker at the time, Ms. Shanaz, came out and and helped me in counselling. And so yeah, then you know I never saw him after that. Yeah. And I think years later, I uh, looked for my mom and then found my mom's phone number, called her and said he wanted to apologize. My mom says, for what? Because at that point, she also didn't know. And then he says, just for leaving you with, with our daughter. He doesn't say anything else. And then I think 2002 it was that I then spoke out after hearing a girl on YFM. Um, that's where I was working, doing CSI there. And then yeah. that's where I face my demons for the first time. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I really appreciate you making the statement, talking to us in this way. And obviously, it's, it's, it's a long conversation. And, and what's important is what you were saying, that you want words to get out there. You want, yeah. you want women who have been in this situation, and no doubt men, to mm. speak out yeah. and to say... Hashtag Nami, hashtag Me Too. Since he's been found. That's the only way. That's Bogane. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. That's the only way that we're going to deal with ourselves as a people. This rape culture is deeply ingrained. Um, I was saying to the Minister of Police just after he released his stats and the Embassy for uh, uh, for Safety, South Africa needs to see the damage that it's causing to its children, its women, its children, and men. There are plenty of men yeah. that I know who've been through this. So me speaking yeah. out now is not because whatever. Number one is to say, this guy has never taken responsibility, and I don't know what I want to do about that. But number two, to also add to the countless women who are suffering in silence, which is my name. And put, and, and put faces, put faces to these perpetrators, because we call them perpetrators. Yeah. We don't, we, yeah. you know, let's, let's put faces. Andy Lehalisiwe, thank you so much for talking to us and continue be, being brave and love and light to you. Thank you so much, Bongan. TV personality Andy Lehalisiwe there telling us her story. I'm lost for words, really. I'm really lost for words, but we do need to have these conversations.